Hello and welcome to Say That Podcast. Your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago, and joining us here is Glenn Fitzgerald. Are we really a hey hey kind of podcast? No, I just I just like to be imbued with the spirit of Krusty the Clown when I start. Mm. Also joining us, Jed Brewer. Hi, Dilly Ho. Excellent. And one of the pastors of Christ in your church, no Christian, is Lee Younger. But especially Bart. <laughs> That's right. We've got the whole menagerie here with us of Simpsons B characters. Um, and we have a great show for you. We have a, a number of great questions, but we must start off with a zoological emergency. Wow. <laughs> oh. <laughs> emergency. In some ways. Now, in some ways, it is the same thing as all the emergencies we talk about in this show. <laughs> Which is a Christian nonsense emergency, mm. but you may not have seen it. There was a there was a a, a viral tweet floating around a, a couple a, a week and a half ago as you hear this podcast, uh, which the text of which said something the the effect of, "Here's a video with a sloth in it. You think you gonna you think you know how it's going to end? You don't." <laughs> and uh, we, we we will play the the audio of the uh, the pertinent twist here. And uh, then we'll pick it up when we're all back on the same page. Um, and they can oh, swim really fast, and they can actually hold their breath for up to 22 minutes. So once wow. again, that slow metabolism can yeah. kind of come in handy when you're trying to get away from a jaguar. Minutes. Yes. Wow. Well, that, that's awesome. We were talking beforehand. Yes, the sloth. This one is fast for a sloth, but he's still slow. Why? Because sloths, by definition, are slow. That's how they are made to operate. And uh, it shouldn't surprise us that they move slowly. And in today's lessons, we see something that should not surprise us as well. And that is Christians are persecuted. Sloths move slow. Well, Christians are persecuted. That kind of happens because of who we are. So, yeah, that, uh, that went <laughs> wow. from... Wow. <laughs> that one from, you know, the Jack Hanna show that was on oh, NBC God. at you know, 9 a.m. on a Sunday right into TBN real quick. Yeah. That's uh, what in the business they call not a smooth segue. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's a little bit of grinding your gears, as they put it in the in the preaching world. You just kind of, it's almost like when if someone if some pages of their notes just stuck together. But yeah, yeah. this you know in in the world of preaching, there's always that. I need to make a point, but I'm, I'm going to use an illustration or connect it to some other thing. And it's it's always when when you stretch it a little too far, and it reaches that breaking point. That that's a painful moment to watch. There's a transitive <laughs> pro, there's like a, a a transitive property thing here that just doesn't shake down. As the sloth is slow, so the Christians are persecuted. If A equals B and B equals C, then A equals C. It's like, dude, you just leapt across the Grand Canyon in a cartoon fashion in in such a way that all of our heads are spinning. Like, Matt, you said TBN, but I'm feeling a certain cable news channel. Yeah. Well, well to that point, gentlemen, I know this is a, a safe space where I can, you know, ask questions, you know, without oh, yeah. being thought less of. And, and so um, I, I'd like to, to ask one of those questions now. Mm. When this dude uses the word persecution, what does he mean by right. it? Yeah. 
Well, you know, Jed, I, I'm I'm glad you asked that question so I can do what I like to call male explaining. Okay. I call it That's male catchy. explaining. Nah, it's very good. And um it's it's like the coolest thing on the internet. Now here's what's happening is like um Christians are being uh arrested and they're being put into slavery. In and the then, United States? Well, there's like a big coliseum, and they all go in there, and then there's lions, and they're running and running and running, and the lions are chasing them. These things are happening, Jed. You know, Glenn, I think those things have happened historically, but I I don't know that they're happening currently. Well, it depends on your definition of currently. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, in that it depends on whether or not you acknowledge the definition of currently or not. I read about it like the other day. <laughs> I, I mean, like if if we're dealing with like a, a crisis on infinite earths kind of situation, and we're saying somewhere in the multiverse there's a place where it's going on currently, then a I salute the nerddom, and b Absolutely. I I I grant the point. But is that what you're saying? Because that doesn't sound like what you're saying. Are we going to have to get the reverse flash involved <laughs> in order to solve this rip in the space time continuum? Listen, here here's another persecution that's happening. Like, I get in other people's business, in their lives, and then I try and tell them that they're awful and evil people and to help them. Oh. And <laughs> they are persecuting me for doing that. And it's so unfair because of all right. the help I'm giving them. Right. So, like, just the other day when I was at, at the doctor... And, and my doctor asked me, you know, well, how much, how much water do you drink? And I said, I don't really drink any, I only drink soda. And then she said, you should not do that. You should, you should drink water because that is healthy for you. That was her persecuting me by telling me something I didn't want to hear. Exactly. Jed. Yeah. Yeah. Boom. Persecuted. That's interesting because when I had a very similar conversation with my doctor and told her how much soda I drink, the look on her face was if she was persecuting, I was persecuting her. (laughs) She wasn't entirely wrong. And I was lying by a half. <laughs> so that was... You had mitigated the amount of soda that, that you were reporting. I was hurting her feelings. I want to go back to the... the I want to go back to boom persecuted because <laughs> I feel like we all just floated right past that. And I feel like there's a lot of meat left on the bone of like, we could describe things Christians get all uh, been out of shape about, and then you end the tweet with hashtag boom persecuted. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that, that's worth exploring because if you want to get a vision for um, why these people think they're persecuted, I uh, look up the, the kind of Patheos blog that the author of the uh, said viral tweet wrote, and it starts with who made this video series. It's a little group called Answers in Genesis. Mm. You may know them as the people who built a giant recreation of the Noah's Ark and the Creation Museum in Kentucky. Are these Uh-oh. the people with the coloring book where Jesus is riding a dinosaur? Probably. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but so the thing about that is, I think their definition of uh, persecution is they say objectively dumb and embarrassing things, and people are like, that's kind of dumb and embarrassing. So boom, with that low bar, but to, to the boom persecuted, uh, you know, worldview, it's clear that a set, a segment of, uh, Christians in this country who are mostly white and have a lot of money, 
because um, there are uh, issues of people, even in this these United States of America, being persecuted for their faith. Like if their faith says, I really think that, you know, the law should be applied evenly and poor people shouldn't have disadvantaged that, they might organize to that extent and they may face persecution for that. That happens. Right. But you got those other ways where, you know, the rich people, white people in the suburbs clearly want to be persecuted. So can we just go around bullying them and give them what they want? Like, would that <laughs> yeah. be an act of service? Yes. <laughs> yes. The, uh, the, the, just slap the Dave Ramsey book out of their hands yeah. and be like, you're a dork. Boom. Persecuted. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Because it, it, it's important for you to know they are going to find some way to convince themselves that they are. And it's going to involve increasingly more bizarre, weird things with pizza places and space lasers and whatever. So here's what we do is we just give them, I'm not talking about like a bad persecution or like a real mean persecution, but like a A sort of a, well, sort of (laughs) like, you know, like a, a rhetorical swirly, like sort of like a summer stock uh, you know, like you know, like when you go to the acting workshop and you do like the fighting acting okay. fighting. Sure, 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 absolutely. Yeah, that kind of a you know slightly campy, overdone. You know, you pull up in the van and you jump out and you go, "Ha ha! I'm here to persecute you!" And then you you know you throw like a a, a cream pie at the their face. And then you zip away. Oh, you know, slapstick that kind of, persecution. I like that. It, slapstick persecution is ah. exactly what's called for here. Okay, look, if this episode is not called slapstick persecution, then I have to protest the podcast. <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we can we can certainly do some subtitling. Yeah, I like this because, as, as Glenn points out, this this desire and need to be persecuted coinciding with the desire to live the most consequence-free life any group of people have ever lived in the history of humanity is really (laughs) the cognitive dissonance is getting concerning. So we can help them by solving that cognitive dissonance by calling them nerds and knocking them over. Absolutely. That's right. My favorite word to, to deal with this kind of preciousness is the word adorable. Yeah. I think the word adorable really, really gums up the gears of the person who's claiming that they're being persecuted. Well, I think we ought to use it whenever Christians claim to be persecuted. We should, we should use this phrase. Of course you are, dear. (laughs) (laughs) Just (laughs) as patronizing as we can possibly make it. The listener should picture Glenn holding a mug of tea, extending right. that to the persecuted oh, oh. individual. Of course you are, dear. Yeah, well, sometimes television shows and movies that I choose to uh, consume speak about the the guy who used to have a job that I like in a less than reverential manner. And I, if you can find more persecution on that than that in this or any other time, I'd like to hear it. <laughs> Yeah, you just you pull up and you yell, I'm from the Antifa, ha, 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 and I'm coming to get you. And then you just, you know, you just step off. That Think about how happy you would make them. <laughs> because it's like, finally, it's happening. I'm talking I've about Monty Python style. You get a big fish, 
not still frozen. You don't want this to hurt. You no, write yeah. secular humanism on it. Right. Yeah. And you just whack them. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> you get a, a, a Benny Hill yakety sax going while you're doing it, you know. Help, just... help, I'm being repressed. Yeah, that's right. exactly. exactly right. Because you know what it is, fellas? When when you say that you're a Christian and everybody else is talking about how they're being persecuted, right. but it seems like you're not being persecuted. Sure. It's like, am I really committed enough to get persecuted? Mm. Maybe not, you know? So it's like you got to persecute them enough to where they feel like they're really good Christians. Glenn, what will people think if they label you a Jesus? What will people do mm. when they find that it's true? Mm. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I love that you could just pull the string on Jed and those <laughs> things just flow out of him. <laughs> I guarantee you, in referencing a previous emergency we covered on this show with a group dial a something who left a weird tract on a yeah. door who considered like Amy Grant to be satanic music. I right. guarantee you the people at answers in Genesis answers in Genesis think DC talk is like satanic heavy metal. Yeah. There's no question about that. And actually I feel inspired. I think there's a money-making opportunity here. All right. Oh. So mm. you guys may be familiar. There's a variety of services. One of them is called cameo. And this is a real thing where you can pay a, a celebrity of any kind. I mean, just any field you can think of, you know, 20 bucks to wish your friend a happy birthday. Right. You know, so right. like literally if your friend was a big guns and roses fan, you could pay slash to do like a 30 second video call and wish your friend a happy birthday. This is an actual thing that exists. It's actually kind of a cool thing. People enjoy it. All right. That inspires me. If your friend, if their biggest dream is to be persecuted, you can hire us to oh, call yes. them. And I, here's what I'll say. So like, you know, it's, you know, you hire me because Tim has always wanted to be persecuted. So you want me to persecute him. So I call up you. Hello, this is Tim. Hey, Tim. Why, this is Jed Brewer. You know, I am planning a fancy and exclusive social occasion. A bit of a soiree, if you will. I'd heard you were quite the hep cat and had been intent on inviting you to join in the festivities. But then I learned of your highly objectionable religious faith. And I decided <laughs> I couldn't possibly have you dilly-dallying around with my much more sophisticated guests. So I reject you and your company on the basis of your deeply held faith. I said good day. Hey, sir. Click. <laughs> sure. The accent package yeah. costs more, but it's worth it. <laughs> okay, I'm ready. This is like the premium level. Um, goat costume. <laughs> oh, pentagram package. <laughs> Black candles. Okay. Death metal. Okay. Wings. Yeah, <laughs> you just jump out and start jumping around. <laughs> Dude, that's I'm just picturing Putty from Seinfeld. El Diablo. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> El Diablo. That's right. And you know, because that's I mean, that's a memory that's gonna last a lifetime. <laughs> I got into some serious spiritual warfare, y'all. That's right. That's right. Well, that's what you do to to flood the market, is you know, once you know the dude goes to goes to church and talks about how uh Gentleman with a uh, semi-affected British accent called him and told him that he was too faithful to come to the banquet. Yes, so he's going to tell that story and be very proud of himself. And the other guy in the the men's group is going to be like, "Oh, really? I had some 
goat costume gentleman. <laughs> media right. today. And he right. just kind of ratcheted up. That's right. <laughs> I think as ever, we solved a problem and came away with a money-making venture. And that is a double whammy in our book. And we, on that, we will declare emergency off. And I will give us the parting shots. Uh, just one more. And this is a free uh, persecution and bullying for our friends at Answers in Genesis. That's the dumbest name for anything I've ever heard. Because of all the answers were in Genesis, what are the other 70-odd books for? My new organization <laughs> is called Answers in Exodus. What are you going to do about it, huh? <laughs> Nothing. Right. I'm persecuting Nothing says, you. I refuse to do any more reading than I absolutely have to. Yeah. Then <laughs> ah, I got through the first one. I'm out. There's, there's definitely, there's definitely a, 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 a junior high version of me that would, that would make the, the thing called Answers in Jude. <laughs> it's only one chapter. Yeah. You really don't have to do all that much work. Yeah. Check out my great uh, Lord of the Rings fan blog, Answers in the Shire, because I only read the first chapter of. The first book, right. and I, I'm, I know everything I need to know based on that. And of course, you can know everything you need to know about how to love people you really disagree with if you sign up for Bridgebox, missionusa.com slash Bridgebox, only $8 a month, and get some great stuff in your inbox the first of every month. You can also join us every Tuesday, 7.30 p.m. Central Time, facebook.com slash Chicago for <clears> our Bridge Live service. We are having a lot of fun on Tuesday nights, and we hope you will come join us. Uh, we're going to jump to our first question here. If you have us all the way to the end, I'll use some ways you can touch this, or you can scroll down into your episode description and find the link there. Our first question this week is also our bridge box topic for the month of February. And it is, how do I love people? I really, really disagree with. Ooh. Ah, and Lee, where would we start off? <laughs> uh, Oh gosh. That is a I very like, good place to start off. Yeah. I, I mean, look, if I'm going to be completely honest about this. Some days I don't know at all. I, I will say this. Uh, let's have a solidarity party in the fact that I have people I massively disagree with. So um, we, we can all get on the same page about, dang, we've got these people in our life. It, this has been hard for me in recent times, and it's been hard for me because um, and I don't know if these guys feel the, uh, feel this with me on this, but it feels like the stakes are higher on things to disagree about. Yeah. And, and, and that, that makes it a more difficult prospect. Obviously boundaries definitely, definitely help. We've talked a lot about boundaries on this show. Um, but I want to take this in the direction of talking about, um, prayer. Because I definitely have these people in my life. And the thing that I want to say about this is that I think the thing that helps, and the thing that helps me, is to pray for these people with just gut-wrenching, brutal honesty. Like, as brutally, honestly as you can pray about these people in this situation, do that. Uh, talk to the Lord about these people and and... And, and what they're on and why you disagree with them. And, and this is key. This is an important part of this process. Hold nothing back. Understand that the Lord knows the, the depth of your vocabulary, and he knows all the words you're thinking anyway. So feel free to use all of them with him. Um, he's not as offended as you think. He doesn't, he's not like this guy in the, in the sloth video feeling persecuted by, like, you know, 
salty language or anything like that. Literally, tell the Lord what troubles you about this person and their thinking, about their actions. Don't pull any punches. I mean, what I'm talking about here is a process of vent. Just all out vent your spleen to the Lord about this person. When when I have people in my life uh, like this, and and trust me, friends, I've got them. Um, I I kind of go off in the prayer. Um, it helps. the The odd thing about it is, it actually winds up helping me to to love them more in my actual day to day life because I feel as though, and and not only feeling as though, I've actually processed a lot of the initial emotion. So I've gone through the process of just really kind of going off. Um, like, what were they thinking? And how can a person possibly see it this way? All of those kinds of things. I'm walking through that with Jesus. Um, I'm praying through that process. Without that piece of the puzzle, I think that the difficult thing would be that I would I would have a lot more uh, propensity to do that in the relationship with that person, which obviously would not be that helpful in the in the relationship with that person. Um, I, I would be on the verge of kind of going off on them at any point. I would suggest adding this into your process. Go to the Lord and hold nothing back. Say everything you think. Ask every question you think. Every little, every little corner of this thing that you disagree with them about, um, explore every avenue of it, every alley. L- leave no stone unturned. Just really, really, really vent your spleen with the Lord. And I think that that processing um, with a heart that completely understands you is going to be a thing that helps you actually to love that person more so that when you do have to hang out with them or you do have to interact with them, you've already processed a lot of that emotion and you can get to a different piece of that relationship. It's a great place to start it off. Glenn, where do we take it from there? Well, yeah, I I agree with all of that. I mean, as Lee is saying, the, the stakes are getting higher. It's, it's getting a little harder in times of a pandemic and so forth. So, um, it's we want to be clear all of us on this podcast that this is not a one two three do it like i do it because it's easy for me kind of a thing we're we we all struggle with this from time to time now the reality is um and this is not to take it at all to a negative place but the reality is if you get down to the fine details we actually all disagree at some point with each other uh, there's, there's at some point, there are just some things that you agree on and some that you don't, uh, it, you know, that might be fairly minor stuff. It might be, I like this sports team and my good friend hates that sports team. We're going to manage to have a relationship despite that difference. So in a sense, all the relationships we have, we have despite differences, uh, so that it's it's you're already on some level doing that, and you're already managing that on some level. Uh, so let's maybe take a little bit of confidence that it's it's possible and it's manageable, and there's there are ways to do that that you're already uh, executing. Uh, but I think here's one big big step towards uh, loving people that you really disagree with and having healthy relationships with them, and that's humility. Uh, humility will let us know that um, 
I believe me, you know, people all the time say stuff to me that just sounds insanely stupid. And it's hard not to judge that on some level and, and to look down on them and see them in a very different light. But I am supposed to stop and pull up and say, you know, on another day, I could say something that stupid about something else. Uh, and I need to have a little bit of humility that, you know, I'm not always at my best. This person is not at their best. Uh, it, it's a mix of things for me where I, I'm smart about and some things I'm not smart about. It's true for this other person. Let's let's let the humility be a leveling factor on that. And then we can sort of filter that out and just deal with boundaries of acceptable behavior and, and unhealthy behavior. Uh, I think here's another question I want you to ask uh, yourself is how much agreement do you need to have in your life? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, do you need do you need everybody to agree with you all the time? Uh, because that's. <laughs> That's not good. There's a lot of there. There are people who need it, need to be surrounded by yes men, and if they don't have that, they're not they're not going to tolerate anything else. They that's there's an insecurity behind that. There's a there's a lack of completeness about that. There is a maturity about saying uh, I don't I don't have to agree. And everyone doesn't have to agree with me, and I I don't have to be you know in uh, the, having the final word on everything uh, because I don't need everybody to agree with me because sometimes I don't know what I'm talking about, and that's humility. Uh, final thing on this, and I think this is a point we make a, a, a bit on this show, and it's worth remembering, is that love can be done from a distance and sometimes a fairly far distance. Uh, and I think that's a good thing. Some people are on a really negative trip and they're hurting themselves and they're hurting people around them. And if you draw those people close and try and spend as much time with them as you can, they are going to be digging a hole deeper and deeper and deeper for them to, to come back out of, uh, you know, certain recent news events, we've seen people kind of messing up their family relationships because they saw, thought certain kind of uh, conspiracy theory things were going to happen. They didn't happen. And now they have to go and undo that damage somehow. And we've all, I've been there. I've had to undo damage in my life. I can have the humility to say that. But it's important to say, if we know that person is digging a hole for themselves, don't say, I need to get with them so much that I let them dig a deeper hole because I'm just giving right. them more work to do. That's really, really excellent place to take that. And Jed, where would we close this out? You know, you've heard a lot of great stuff on this. We're going to add on one more thing that I think it'll sound surprising at first, but it's super, super biblical. So hang in there with me. You can love people and actively work to undermine the things they believe in and the schemes that they are attempting to perpetrate. <laughs> Let me say that again, because it's super important. You can absolutely love people with a godly, agape love and be actively working to undermine the things they support, to undermine the institutions that they are trying to further, and to foil their schemes. I know that sounds weird. I'm going to give you three separate characters in the Bible, beginning with Jesus. Jesus was God-made flesh. Jesus loves everybody with a perfect and endless agape love. Jesus loved the money changers in the temple. He also flipped their tables. Jesus loved the Pharisees. He also called out their hypocrisy. 
Jesus loved all the people in multiple crowds that were set to kill him. He also said, nope, and slipped out so that they couldn't do it. Jesus is a very good example of absolutely loving people with a perfect, godly, agape love and actively undermining the evil stuff that they're trying to do. Our next example is the Apostle Paul. You may remember him as the person who wrote the majority of the New Testament. Um, There are multiple examples of Paul slipping out of cities and away from crowds that mean him harm. There are multiple examples of Paul using the legal system to do what he needs done in order to further the things that God has for him. Paul, as much as any human being can, I'm sure, loved the people he was dealing with. He was also working to undermine the evil stuff that they were on. The last example of this comes from the Old Testament, and it's the entire book of Esther. Esther was a very, very godly person who saw something deeply wrong and evil and destructive was going on and um, devoted herself to stopping that wrong and evil and unacceptable thing. Hmm. So the interesting thing is we are called to love all people, regardless of their beliefs, regardless of the extent to which we do or don't agree. We are also called to work for justice. We are also called to work to um, foil evil schemes. And those two things are not mutually exclusive. Again, we see that in Esther, we see it in Paul, we see it in the perfect example of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So um, even as we seek common ground where we can, even as we go to the Lord in prayer and pray for these people and we ask for his supernatural love to be in our hearts, we also recognize that we have a role to play in fighting for justice and inclusion and equality and the respect of the dignity of all human beings, and that we can absolutely love people even as we are working to foil their every scheme. That's all fantastic stuff from all of these guys. I love what Judge closes out with there. I would just to Give another example of that. I would look to one of the letters that Paul wrote, specifically one of the uh, what they call the pastoral epistles, where he's teaching someone how to deal with a group of Christians. And one of the things he's, he tells Titus in Titus 3, verse 9 and 10 is, But avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law, because mm-hmm. these are unprofitable and useless. Uh-huh. Yeah. Warn a divisive person once, then warn them a second time, and after that, have nothing to do with them. And uh, it goes back to what Glenn was saying about being able to love someone from afar. I think that we all have this idea that the the Christianness of it means that no matter how much we agree with something, someone about such about what level of thing that we owe them a certain amount of of interaction and benefit of the doubt and uh, good faith, and that's just not true. Um, there, it's certainly not true if you're a member of a group that say someone thinks should not have rights or whose life doesn't matter. You shouldn't be in the same, want to be in the same room as that person, Christian or not. That doesn't make any sense. And I would take it back to this part of unprofitable and useless. There are some, we talked, we were talking last episode about kind of shallow friendships. There's nothing wrong with having buddies. You might have a guy you play golf with or some friends you play, play board games with. Maybe uh, you might disagree with those people on huge, big things, but it may not come up. Uh, one of the things that has happened a little bit more in the last uh, four or five, ten years is there are some people who just can't shut up about the weird thing they disagree with you about and are going to try to make everything about that. Yep. You don't owe them the opportunity to do that. You're, there's a lot of meeting people more than halfway going on that kind of gets uh, just abused and, uh, discounted. And that's not something God wants you to put yourself through. I don't 
think um, it's perfectly is a perfectly reasonable way to love someone is to uh, identify exactly how much of putting up with their nonsense you can deal with and still <laughs> find them a lovable person and putting a pretty hard cap on that. That is that is doing about what can be asked of you. And you've got some biblical coverage to do it and add to all the good, good stuff these guys gave you there. We're going to move on to our second question here. It comes in and says, I find it hard to make deep friendships with people I don't see regularly. How do you guys keep in touch with friends you don't regularly see in church, school, work, et cetera? Or what is the strategy in doing that? And related, how do you make a deeper friendship with someone new or an acquaintance? And this is another from the, uh, the batch of questions that came in from some of our friends who were in a, a young adult small group. So we, Thank them for writing that in. Super cool that they would do that. And another kind of uh, very cool group of related questions. And Glenn, what, what in there sticks out to you? Well, yeah, last time we talked about uh, the the shoulds and sort of that, uh, you know, uh, shooting yourself and thinking in terms of obligations and trying to, to you know, measure up and all those kinds of things. Uh, I think... Uh, the way to start digging our way out of that is is to set aside that obligation thinking and start looking at what works, uh, finding ways uh, to manage relationships that um, that don't fit in anyone else's box. Uh, to give you an example, when I was in my early twenties, um, I had you know a sort of a, a set of close friends who were all uh, in their first ministry job. We were all in, in our beginning of our ministry careers. And, um, you know, really unique, really amazing, really talented guys. If you told this group of guys, let's just get together and hang out and talk, kind of like we were talking about on the last uh, uh, time we explored this in the last show— we would never do it because we're just everything we do has such a heavy intentionality to it. We, you know, just we we couldn't do that. So we started playing poker. Uh, we we would literally play with giant jars of pennies, and we would just sit there and and play poker. Now, you know, seventy five percent of the conversation is about really heart wrenching things that we're trying to deal with as we're learning to minister to people and crazy circumstances and the heavy stresses that we're trying to learn how to manage. And I'll raise you three and, <laughs> you know, I've got eights and aces here, you know? And so there's, you know, it, that was just a way that worked for us. I think finding a way that works for you, if you already have that, don't feel like it needs to be something that looks overtly Christian. To anybody else, that would look like a actual just regular poker night. But for us, that was as much iron sharpening iron fellowship and, and good ministry uh, advice and, and fellowship as you could get. Um, also, in, in terms of managing friendships, I'm going to ask you to renounce uh, busyanity. Uh, busyanity, if you don't know, is the religion where you are more important and more uh, holy and uh, a, a godly person to the extent that you are busy. And you are embarrassed right. and ashamed to admit that you are not busy. Uh, you find it impossible to say these words out loud, I'm just loafing and watching Netflix. Uh, if, if you're that person... 
you're you're every time somebody says, "Hey, what are you doing this week?" You will inevitably say, "Oh, well, oh, I'm busy. I, I know that. Uh, 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 I'm I'm I got to do a lot of things. I mean, I won't bore you with the details, but I'm busy." Uh, you know, if people are trying to include you in things and all you're giving them is I'm busy, they're going to stop including you in things pretty quick. Uh, final thing on this, you said, uh, you know, how can I, uh, uh, you know, want to uh, make a deep friendship with someone new? Simple one word answer. Listen, mm. uh, you would not believe how fast that, accelerates uh, uh, the depth of relationship and the depth of your ability to uh, love them and comfort them and, and help them in all sorts of ways. Uh, it's a great ministry to people just to sit and let them talk and ask questions and pull more out of them and be a safe space for them to talk about what they're going through. You do that, believe me, you'll get close real, real quick. It's a great place to start that off. And Jed, I'd love to get you to particularly look at the the aspect of this of that not people you're already friends with who you don't see regularly. I think that's a very very good uh, question, and certainly one for our times. What are some strategies on that? Well, you know, similar to what we were talking about last week, and very much along the lines of Glenn's great example of the poker night, some kind of little structure that helps you to stay in regular contact is just worth its weight in gold. Um, that could be a poker night. It could be a game night. It could be a project that you're doing together. It could be a book club. It could be a shared interest, but just something that creates an excuse to interact with each other. It's, it's a really powerful thing, man. Um, you know, I, I think the, the interesting thing is it is easy for any of us, uh, me included, to when we get frustrated in an area in our lives to feel like the answer that that the thing that's really holding me back here must be like a deep and really meaningful thing. Um, and it's probably has like a huge spiritual component to it. Sometimes that's true, but sometimes the things that are holding us back are actually pretty simple. Uh, that that happens sometimes. And for a lot of us, the, the thing that prevents regular interaction is we just need a little bit of structure, man. Uh, doesn't really matter what it is. Poker night's great. You know, something else is great, but if we've got that structure and we put in the little bit of work to maintain it, you know, to, to make sure we've got the, the next thing on the, uh, calendar, we'll reap a lot of benefits. It, it really, this is one of those great things in life where a little bit of, of planning work will pay huge dividends, which that's good. Anytime in life you've got that, you really want to make that work for you because uh, that's not always the case. Um, and, and I, building on that, I also massively want to agree with what Glenn said about listening. Um, if you want your relationships not only to, to you know to be maintained, but you want there to be a, a, a growing depth to them, if people sense that you're a person who's just willing to listen about yeah. the stuff that's going on in their lives. That's going to make a huge difference. And here's one of the great things is a lot of people who've grown up around Christian stuff feel an obligation that they need to have something smart to say in response. And you mm. don't. You don't. You don't. At all. Um, yep. It's it's perfectly fine. If you want to know what to say in response, the place to start is rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. Um, yep. If they're telling you something that seems like it's a happy thing, make a smiley face. If they're telling you something that seems like it's a sad thing, make a frowny face. That's that's actually the place to begin. That's the the biblical place to begin. And you can do that. Um, 
you don't have to have a bunch of epic wisdom to to answer in return. If you can dig it, most people are not expecting that. Uh, they're they're really really not. If if they wanted legal advice, they'd go to a lawyer. If they wanted relational advice, they'd go to a counselor. You know, they're they're talking because they just want a friend who listens to them. Amen. And I think the the one other thing that goes right along with that is learning how to um, share what's going on in your life with an appropriate degree of vulnerability to who this person is and the relationship that you have with them. You know, we talk on this show a lot about the idea that trust is earned, and it definitely is. So figuring out how do I calibrate for that where this person, Jim, has earned two units of trust. What is two units of trust worth of vulnerability about how I'm actually doing in life? Um, If he's being an appropriate degree of vulnerable with you and you are with him, dude, you've got a real friendship there. You've got a real relationship. That's great. It can and will deepen over time, but you're off to the races. You're doing it. But it all begins with that simple thing of just finding a little bit of structure so that people, you and your buddies and friends are interacting regularly, and you can definitely do that. Absolutely right. I think that's a a great place to take it. And Lee, where would you close us out here? You've heard a lot of great stuff on this. Uh, I would... I would just want to piggyback on uh, something Jed was ending with, and that's just the word sharing. I mean, for me, the whole trick of deep connection and friendships is shared experiences. Yeah. Um, I, I try to intentionally share as much as possible with the people that I want to keep a deep connection with. And what's really cool is that even during a pandemic, sharing is something that's really, really possible and it's really feasible. I mean, we, have the ability with these internet connected devices to share all kinds of cool stuff, thoughts, ideas, memes, rants, everything, um, songs, whatever it is, um, podcast episodes, news bulletins, whatever the things are uh, a real quick example. My little sister, um, lives, um, an eight hour drive away from, from me. And, um, I would say about, Eight or nine years ago, she called me and said, can we, can we talk? And I said, absolutely, let's talk. And she said, here's the deal. Um, I love you. I, I want a closer relationship. And, and I want you to put more effort into it. And, and, I, and I said, I'm so glad that you made this phone call. And, and I'm so glad that you're sharing this with me. And, you know, it, it's so easy to get, you know, in the middle of everything that's in, that's in my life that I'm, that I'm not putting a lot into this relationship. And she said, thanks for saying that. And like, literally the thing that changed was we started texting every day. Um, and sometimes it's, sometimes it's a silly meme that we laugh about or a tweet, uh, that we both think is amazing where somebody got dunked on or something like that. And, and some of this stuff could feel like trifles. But the fact is that we are sharing experiences. My little sister and I are sharing laughs. We're sharing um, exaltations. We're sharing, um, we're just sharing experiences. And, and these little outreaches are things that keep our connection solid. Friendships thrive on shared experiences. And we have, an ex- we have the ability to, to, to share things like, human beings have never had in the history of ever. Um, so that to me is, is kind of everything. Um, right now in the middle of a pandemic, um, the, the, the three other guys on this podcast are some of my dearest friends in life. 
And when when the text thread that's the that's the the four hosts of the Say That podcast lights up with a new meme or something that we're going to make fun of or laugh about, when when that notification comes up on my phone, I know I'm going to have a great 20 minutes or so of us riffing on somebody, dunking on somebody, laughing about something, and those shared experiences keep that friendship fresh. It keep it, those things keep us connected. These are things that we can pour intentionality into. We can pour creativity into, and um, there are things that 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 actually people that are younger than us on this show are much better than us at. Uh, you yeah. you guys you guys are the pros at this stuff, and so pour into those shared experiences, and 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 don't underestimate the the uh, the kinds of connections that you can make even over a long distance just to share laughs, to share ideas, to share thoughts, to to share all those kinds of things. Sharing is the key. I think that's really, really great stuff. And it's excellent advice for, you know, the question of how do you maintain some deeper friendships when you're people you don't see regularly, but it also really works in that building into a friendship uh, thing. You know, you send the the meme or the the thing you think is funny to someone you may not even have their number, maybe, you know, it's Twitter DM or Instagram or something. And, you know, it's, I think it's easy for people with a certain level of, of social anxiety um, to really get in their own head about, well, what, I'm just going to send this person this thing out of the blue, and oh my gosh, and what are they going to think? And it helps you calm down if you put yourself on the other end of that, and you think, oh, this is, what would you think if someone sent you something that was funny? You'd probably think, oh, that's funny. Right. <laughs> There's possible you would think, oh my gosh, that's Simpsons memes, you're talking my language, or you know, whatever, oh, I love uh, that comedian, and now we're connecting. But the worst case scenario is normally oh, that's pretty funny. So there's uh, you can cast you can cast some bread on the waters in that stuff. Not everything has to be as we were talking about the last episode of friendships. Not everything has to go to to uh, you know soul to soul best friends. Sometimes it'll be hey man, I know you like Marvel movies and I, I thought this was pretty funny. I thought you'd dig it. Maybe that's where it stops. That's fine. That's an interaction. That's an opportunity to build something. And it's a very low bar for putting yourself out there when you think about it in those terms. We move on to our final question here. This comes in and says, the Bible talks about being free from sin, but I also know that I'm going to be a sinner for the rest of my life. So what does being free of that really mean? And another very cool question. And Jedward, we start this off. Right on. It's a great question. Okay. So when Christians talk about free, uh, they generally mean it in one or two contexts. So the first one, which you're probably familiar with, is the idea of free of cost. So um, eternity in heaven is a free gift because Jesus paid for it. Um, you don't have to pay anything for it because, uh, Jesus paid. So it's free of cost for you. God's forgiveness and giving you a second chance. Likewise, it's free or uh, a new beginning. It's free of cost because Jesus paid for it. It's, it's free to you. So it, it does not cost you anything. So that's good. The second kind of free is one that actually we imply a lot, but Per your question, we don't spell out very often, and that is the idea of being free to decide, free to decide the kind of person that you want to be, free to decide the kind of life that you want to live, free to decide the kind of adventures that you want to go on. And that's a deep idea. Um, uh, it, it's, it, it looks deep at first glance, and it's a lot deeper than it looks at first glance. And here's part of why it's a deep idea and it's an important idea is most people make vanishingly few decisions 
about the people they want to be or the life that they want to live. I'm going to say that again for you. I want you to think about it. Most people make very few decisions about who they are or the life that they live. They think they do, but consider it from this angle. How many people do you know who wound up, particularly to the good, but we can even say to the good or the bad, who wound up in a very different life than the one they were set up to live when they were born? I bet you don't know many. I bet that you don't know many people whose life as an adult today is remarkably different from the trajectory that they were set on as a child or as a young adult. Most people, and this is not a knock, I want you to understand that, but most people are more or less living the life that they were set up to live. That's what most people are doing. The interesting thing about freedom is if you look at that life and you say, I don't know if this is working for me, good news, you can change it. You can live a new kind of life. If you look at the kind of person that you've been and you say, I don't know that I'm crazy about this, good news. You can change that. You don't have to keep on being that kind of person. We have a way of saying that certain kinds of lives um, are, you know, particularly those that have money and that have a worldly sense of achievement and accomplishment, that those are really good. So you basically, uh, if you got that, you should just kind of keep doing that. And then there's the, the sinful bad lives. There's problems and wind up in you know, prison and whatnot. Here's the thing. There's sin everywhere. Mm. There's just as much sin going on in the banking sector as there is at Cook County Jail. Oh, yeah. um, there, there's, there's sin everywhere. The thing that freedom, that being free from sin offers you is that you can live a different life. You can live a new kind of life. You can be a new kind of person. And the really amazing thing that I know these other brothers are going to get into is God would love to join you on that journey of discovering a new you that you've never gotten to be before, on the adventure of living a new kind of life that you've never gotten to live before, that he actually has a sense of what would be a good fit for you in a way that your culture and your parents and your world and your surrounding circumstances don't. And he wants to lead you out into those wide open spaces. That's good news. And that's what it means to be free. That is a fantastic place to start that off. And Lee, where do we take it from there? I want to pick right up on what uh, something Jed said right at the end there. Uh, That phrase wide open spaces, man, how, how delicious does that sound? Just wide open spaces. You know, uh, there's a there's a really cool thing in 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 knowing Jesus. We have um, we have kind of a a status and a process. Um, as soon as a person believes in the the good news of Jesus that He has paid for all of your wrong by by giving His life on the cross, and um, you know, that you can be completely forgiven, you have a status of being set free from sin. Like in Romans 6 says flatly, you've been set free from sin. That's a direct quote from Romans chapter 6. The interesting thing is the very next chapter, the same guy that wrote that sentence said, I do the very thing I hate. So like, which is like, wait, are you set free from it or not, man? Like, which is, this is so cool because 
he so perfectly explains the fact that we have a we have a status and we have a process. When you believe in Jesus, your status is you are set free from sin. You're set free from the penalty of sin. God will not punish you for your sin. That's a flat guarantee. You will not be punished for your sin forever and ever and ever. Um, and yet we're in the process of getting set free from these fallen hearts that we're living in that are rescued, and we're trying to learn how to live into that the wide open spaces that Jed's talking about. We're free from the separation from God. We're free from the penalty of sin. We're free from the stigma uh, of sin. We're utterly forgiven forever. But in the midst of that, we're kind of limping towards learning to live in that freedom, learning how to be more free in our daily experience. If you've listened to this show for a long time, you've heard one of the four of us say on, you know, on some kind of regular rhythm that your relationship with Jesus, we think that he would love for you to talk about something else besides your sin. That's like what he would love for your conversation to be about. Something else. I, I, our heartbeat for you to understand about him is that he would say, I have paid for everything. And I want you to experience the wide open spaces, as Jed said just a few minutes ago, of you're set free from everything. So what could life be? What could joy be? What could fulfillment be? You're going to limp into that because you're still going to screw up and mess things up and, and try to figure out what fills you up and what takes away and all that kind of business. But the longer and longer you do this, you realize I have, my status is that I'm free. The more I believe that, the more I understand that, the more I experience the wide open spaces of having the, the ability to choose what is my life going to be? What, what do I get to do today? The more I'm going to experience the joy of just being a free person and getting to have a different kind of life. Our hope for you and our, and honestly, our hope for ourselves is that we take advantage of the freedom of being set free. That my status means I get to explore the wide open spaces of a God who is happy with me, a God who has accepted me, a God who says, live your life, follow me. You're going to find more fullness there. You're going to limp into understanding what that means. You are now free to choose, and you are free from the penalty of wrong. And the more you walk with me, the more freedom and fullness you're going to find. That's, the, that's kind of the, the tightrope that we're walking is, I've been set free from the penalty, and the more I learn to follow him, the more freedom and fullness I find. That's what we're walking into. Really, really beautifully put. And Glenn, where would we close this out? Well, you've you've heard a lot of good stuff here, and and uh, you know, uh, I think uh, you know the the theology of this is uh, there's sort of an irony to that the 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 sense that you are free, uh, but then you make a choice, and at some point you become so devoted that you are giving up that freedom. Uh, so there's there's uh, sometimes it's tough to come up with solid theological explanations when 
the sort of the emotional reality and the the relational reality of that is kind of understood intuitively when you're when you're walking and living in it. But I want us to maybe think of it in these terms. I it, let's imagine you're on a plane, and the plane is the plane's going down. There's a there's a problem. There's a failure. There's a whatever. And it's definitely going down, and it's going down inevitably. And you've got yourself a parachute. So in this situation, we would say you are free from what is happening to this plane. Uh, it, now, to you, you'd say, well, I don't want the freedom to be able to jump out the window and live. I want the plane to <laughs> not crash. Uh, because the a that's what I had planned, uh, and 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 b because to strap on a parachute and jump out of an uh, of an airplane that is crashing requires a massive amount of courage, and um, it, it also you know trust that this will happen and and so forth, so that you know, a lot of the times when we're talking about free, we're talking about you're free, uh, but the the way out of this situation requires a lot of you. And uh, for us, that doesn't seem like, in some cases, I don't think we see it as an option of, you know, I, I yes, I, I have, God is giving me a way out in this situation and a, and a way to overcome and, and to not even be touched by the circumstances that are around me. But it involves making a choice that I don't want to have to make. So it still feels oppressive in that sense. Uh, but freedom is about having options. When you have uh, a choice, when you have a way uh, that you can get to where you want to go and, and in some cases do better than you had planned and have strengths that you didn't think you would have and companions you never imagined and a, a, a life that is a life to the full, when you have that, you have freedom. You are, you are not being held back. There's there's precious little between you and living an incredible, incredible life. There there are all kinds of uh, uh, hindrances to you doing the wrong thing. If you want to steal, if you want to uh, you know, embezzle something, if you want to take illegal drugs, there's all kinds of hassles to that, man. You're, there's just not a lot of freedoms to doing stuff that's destructive. But stuff that you want to do to make your life better, there, believe me, there's a lot of freedom there. Uh, but the, the tricky thing is, is those are hard choices. God gives you wisdom. God gives you strength to handle anything, to have any kind of uh, ability to handle whatever comes your way. And he gives you a way out. The Bible says that whenever we're tempted, there's always that way out. So by that, we are free. The, the wisdom and the strength set us free. But we have to make those choices. And uh, speaking as as four guys who many times have not made those right choices, uh, we know exactly how hard the, those things can be. But if you want to make that right choice and you want to figure out how do you live it, you, we absolutely have your back. And any questions you want to uh, submit on how to follow through with that, we're here for you and we love you. Absolutely. That's all really, really great stuff. Um, I would I would point out, I think I totally understand where you're coming from the question where you say, you know, the Bible says I'm free for sin, but then there's all this other stuff about how I'm going to be sin the rest of my life and such a big deal. And I wonder if you may get caught up in some stuff that 
unfortunately does happen in church and in Christian stuff, which kind of, as Lee was pointing out with a, can we talk about something else? You kind of, there are some people who are, who are on the mic or write the books or whatever, who just don't really have anything else for you. So you get, and they, but they want to dial up the emotion. So you get caught in the cycle of, oh, you're, you're, you're forgiven and it's so great. But really, it's very bad. The sin is very bad. Yeah. Don't forget how bad yeah. the sin is. But the forgiveness is so great. But how grievous the sin. And it can feel like they're kind of trying to put those two things on an even footing, and you have to consider them both evenly, when the whole point of this religion is that the grace is a lot bigger than the sin. Yeah. Yep. You know, it literally says, wherever sin increases, grace increases all the more. These are not equivalent uh, forces that you have to balance out. For the rest of your life. And in, in an odd way, I think when you embrace the freedom of, of being uh, you know, saved from your sin and the, the, the consequence of it in an eternal sense and the, the price of it in that way, there, everything about that turns into good news because the fact that you're a sinner is now part of the good news. You say, well, that was a dumb thing I did or I was tempted to think or whatever. I wonder why that is. The answer is it's just that you're a sinner like everybody else. Right. It doesn't mean you're doomed. It doesn't mean you are really bad at this. It's just, it's just how it is. That's part of the overall picture of who you are. The headline of which is person who is forgiven, who is loved by God. That is the defining thing. I think this idea of, okay, I, I, I'm forgiven my sin, but then there's this whole thing about how, but I'm still a sinner. What does that even mean? Is that supposed to like make me not be too happy about stuff? Am I supposed to is it kind of like when your parents bring up a dumb thing you did as a kid? Like, yeah, 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 sure, you're your graduate degree or whatever now, but don't forget about that time you peed yourself at your seventh <laughs> birthday. Keep it humble. Like, that's not, that's not what God's saying about you're always a sinner. Being a sinner all your life is is a fact, but it is part of the good news. You get to be a knucklehead, and you're a knucklehead who's loved, who mm-hmm. God has your back. That's part of your. That's a part of a defining thing in your story, and it is. Very good news. Good. Okay, if you have a question for us, say at podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com slash ask. We do hope you will join us every single Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. Central Time at facebook.com slash thebridgechicago for the Bridge Loud. And you can head over to missionusa.com slash bridgebox to sign up for Bridgebox there. We'll tell you the song this week. We've been talking about freedom. This is a song by Lee about such a thing. It is called I Am Free. It's a great tune. Yeah, that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. Happy birthday, Timmy. I'm Beelzebub calling from the seventh ring of Hades, and you're the number one birthday boy on our list of people we're persecuting today. Hail Satan and the great whore of Babylon says hello, by the way. Woo! Persecuted! Oh my God. You made my heart
Sun has.